You're listening to Authentically Me, a podcast dedicated to activating the magic that is within us all through the power of authenticity, sharing, and transmuting with love. Here, you will find real-life experiences shared through the lens of everything is always serving. We are led through this journey by your host, Serena Rose. Serena is a ceremonialist who believes our life is just one big ceremony for our soul. Connect to your soul and enjoy the ceremony. Hello, Authentically Me Beauties. Welcome back to season three of Authentically Me Radio. It's your host, Serena Rose, and I'm here with a special guest. Before I introduce her, if you listen to this podcast, if you like it, if something really hits you in your heart, please make an Instagram story and tag me in it. I would love to see your face, to see your screen recording, whatever feels good. It helps me, and I love connecting. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. I trust that you will receive the fire that is coming through the queen that is with me named Katie Lynn. She came to me through a program called Stretch 22. I've mentioned it on the podcast many times. It's a revolutionary program that doesn't exist anymore, but um, it shifted a lot for me, and Katie was an amazing coach that was a part of the team, and I've stayed connected to her via social media, and to be honest, I don't really know much about your story and like what brought you to the world of coaching, your why, you know, why you're here. All that I do know is that you're straight fire and I share your posts, I would say semi-frequently because they just touch me. And then every time I share one of your posts, people from my followers share your posts and um, it's just that good. So Katie, can you introduce yourself and maybe just give us a little story about who you are and why you do what you do? Yes. Oh, thank you so much, Serena. I'm so grateful to be here and grateful for your support since we connected through Stretch. Gosh, was that two years ago now? Mm -hmm. Two years ago. And uh, my journey into coaching is, I, I find it fascinating. It feels like I've lived multiple lifetimes in, in route to today, to arriving here on December, uh, whatever today's date is, December 8th. And my my background is in psychology. So I have roots, deep roots in human behavior and studying why we do what we do, what makes us tick. And uh, that started in 2004. And as I went through my bachelor's degree, my master's degree, getting licensed, what I found in 2010 was that it was like spirit led me to this point where I needed to make a choice. And it was like the, the split path, I could go left or I could go right. And that choice manifested as, um, you know, really choosing between living in integrity or choosing 
um, to continue to live behind a lot of masks, including the good girl, the behind the mask of the quote unquote American dream, right? Getting the grades, getting the degrees, um, having the job, all of that stuff. And, and how this, this choice manifested was I found out I was going to become a mother. And uh, in that moment, I had this incredible awareness that one, I felt wildly unprepared. And two, not only what did I feel unprepared, but I felt very unqualified because up until this point, I had been binge drinking every weekend. I was on antidepressants. I was on anti-anxiety medications. I was really thriving facing forward, meaning what people saw, they would have thought, oh, she's great. She's killing it. She's doing it. And then behind the scenes, I was just dying. I was just so empty and lost and dark. And in that moment, when I found out I was going to be a mother, um, I knew that everything that I was leaning on as a crutch had to go. And I needed to figure out how to do that. And so that's what I did. That's what I went to work doing. And um, as I worked in the fields, uh, I got my first job as a uh, therapist in the criminal justice field. So I worked for five years with uh, the juvenile justice mental health program for Los Angeles County with the boys ages 12 to 18. And then from there, I went to the Department of Children and Family Services for about six months within Los Angeles County. And then from there, I went to work for uh, about two and a half years at the women's prison in the highest security unit in the state. So I've worked with everyone from from murderers who are famous for their crimes because they are so heinous and um, they're way down to, you know, people who have depression and anxiety and, and addictive disorders and, you know, millionaires and, you know, all kinds of stuff. And so what really propelled me from therapy to coaching was um, I found coaching to be so powerful. And I started uh, working with a coach in 2014 because I knew that something needed to shift and I had tried therapy and I didn't find it to be effective for me. So I stepped into coaching. And when I learned what coaching was and started to, to apply my, what I had learned in my practice around psychology and trauma, um, trauma work, I said, wow, this is really powerful. And this is, this is what I'm called to do. How long have you been a coach now? Oh, I believe I started coaching in 2015. So I would say five years. I hired my first coach in 2014. Didn't know what a coach was. I mean, I don't know how, from, how deep in this personal development game you are or have been in terms of like your experience, but I had no idea what a coach was until I picked up a book and found out that like, oh my gosh, this book is written by a life coach. What is a life coach? You know, I thought you had to get a degree. I thought in order to intervene in somebody's life, you had to have these qualifications and be in mm -hmm. psychology and all this stuff. And, and so when I, when I learned about what coaching was, um, I started as a client and then I realized, oh, wow, this is actually, this is actually what I thought I was going to college for, mm -hmm. but that's not the way that the track unfolded. So, um, mm -hmm. so about a year and a half in, I decided I want to do this. And so I went to work, I went to work practicing with myself as a client. I went to work learning and studying and refining and in 2015 was when I said, okay, I'm going to be a coach. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Have you ever read the book, The Prosperous Coach? Yes. Uh-huh. So yeah, I can't uh -huh. remember exactly <laughs> the quote, but one of the quotes that stuck with me from that book is that therapy, and I could be botching this, but something sure. along the lines of therapy is 
healing or attempting to heal past traumas and coaching is giving you a game plan and a structure for moving past those traumas and building the future. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. I feel like the way that I, cause it's a common question, especially when people hear that, Oh, I'm licensed as a, as a therapist, you know, these are, this is what I've done. Mm-hmm. Um, they go, well, what's the difference? You know, what's the difference between therapy and coaching? And I love the explanation that you just gave. And, and the way that, that I explain it is it's, for me, therapy is like processing what happened. Mm-hmm. It's like making sense of what happened, making meaning of it. So it, it doesn't have such a charge energetically in your, in your field. And coaching is taking that thing and allowing it to propel you forward. Mm-hmm. It's like putting the, the, it's like taking the bow and arrow. And if, you know, if therapy is putting the arrow in the bow, then coaching is pulling that arrow back and releasing it and seeing, you know, mm-hmm. how far you can go with it. Yeah. Yeah. So this may be a redundant question, but I'm just going to throw it out there anyway. Why have you chose to do life coaching versus therapy? Because someone with the qualifications that you have and experience you have, it just seems very interesting to me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love this question. And this was one of the questions, honestly, before I made the choice to go full-time in my coaching business. I was working at the women's prison and I loved it. I loved it. And I was making great money, you know, and there was no sensible, in air quotes, sensible reason for me to leave. There was no justification really, Mm -hmm. you know, and until I had this moment of realizing that when you study in traditional therapy and you are licensed with a, a certain state, whether it's the state of California or any other state, you're, you're governed by certain um, policies and regulations. And uh, the field of psychology was really moving towards evidence-based practices. And those are practices that have been researched and they've been deemed effective based on their outcomes. Uh, with certain populations. And so there's a lot of validity to these evidence-based practices. And there are so many, as I'm sure you know, modalities that are not considered to be evidence-based that are highly effective Mm -hmm. um, at healing trauma, at releasing any sort of limiting beliefs or blocks that are really fantastic for clearing energy and, you know, um, building self-trust and building self-confidence. And, Mm. and so what I realized in working, you know, in that facility is that there's a ton of red tape and there's a a significant amount of political influence. And Mm -hmm. there are these, um, covert agendas at play sometimes. Yeah. And, So what I realized was that even though um, I loved the work, I was not due to some some of the red tape and and what what the desire was for my role in that space, I I really didn't feel like I could be authentically me in my work, Mm -hmm. you know, in that space. I I felt like to a certain degree, um, my hands were tied and... So I could either stay in that space and operate from my perspective out of my integrity um, because I had modalities and I had these techniques that I knew would support 
these these women that I was working with and um, in supporting in this way, it would also be violating, you know, mm -hmm. some of the policies, some of the agreements. And, mm -hmm. and so I, I got to make a really tough choice around, am I going to stay true to my mm -hmm. integrity, to my gifts, to my work and what I believe in and what I know to be effective for the clients that I work with? Um, or am I going to continue to go with what's safe? Mm -hmm. You know, because mm -hmm. there's so much perceived safety in the job and the salary. And there wasn't, like I said, anything quote unquote wrong or um, even bad about working in that environment. I just knew that my work, it was time for my work to take on a, a, a broader calling and, and, with, and, and have more freedom mm -hmm. with the modalities and the interventions that I'm able to use. Mm, I love that answer. My partner is a teacher and he's been doing working from home with COVID. And there's so many conversations I overhear and I'm like, oh, oh, just uh -huh. no, say the yes. thing that you're not supposed to say, these poor yes. kids. Yes. Um, so I imagine a lot of people can relate to that system and structure and, you know, the conspiracy theorist in me is like, really excited to <laughs> right? <hear> everything you just <laughs> right right yeah and and you know it, it's true it's true you know at some point i had to ask myself is this is is this system really designed for full rehabilitation which is possible mm -hmm. completely possible mm -hmm. or is it designed to sustain some other motives and I really had to get real about that, mm -hmm. you know, and I really needed to, it was important to me um, and my conscience to be able to say, you know what, I, there are things that I've seen that I can't unsee and I need to make a decision that's in service to my integrity and my values and what I believe in. Mm -hmm. And what I believe in is that if you have the capacity to support and help somebody and it doesn't look like what the mainstream would like you to do, but it's just as effective, if not more so, then that's what needs to be done. Yeah. You know? so. I have seen life coaches in my world, like going into prisons and doing workshops and stuff sure. like that. Mm -hmm. um, what do you have to say about, about mm. that? Uh, you know, I really appreciate and, and value when anyone decides to go into an environment that that is different from what they're used to and hold the intention of bringing uh, more experience and awareness into that space and to contribute in a way that they feel like is aligned with their gifts you know as facilitators or as coaches and and um and i think that that's a really beautiful thing and i also i also feel like there's such an opportunity for there to be more awareness around um, what's really going on there, you know, and what really happens in the day to day. And I think that, you know, we can have this amazing, incredible experience with these people. And then, you know, are we walking out and really doing anything in our day to day lives after that experience to make these small, smaller incremental changes that mm -hmm. will, that will have an exponential effect over time in our daily lives, you know? Yeah. And that's, that's the question that I love, that I like to ask myself is, yeah. am I, it's one thing to say, you know, I've gone in and I've done this or I've given this or I've donated this. And, and it's another to say that I, I live my life in a way that, that, you know, I am consistently contributing to the, to the 
progress of a system like this. Mm, and, great, and, girl. <laughs> and, and in a way that's, you know, that is hopefully benefiting the people who are involved. Yeah, definitely. You know? Literally my last solo cast, I took the words that you're saying and mm. applied it to voting. It's yeah. like how many people are voting for X, Y, and Z, but they're not mm. doing shit in their lives. Yes. They're doing things to promote yes. the opposite effect yes. in their lives for what they're voting for. It doesn't mm-hmm. make any sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm definitely with you on that. Yeah. And I also think that that philosophy can be applied to individuals too, people who for are sure. not just life coaches or therapists. You know, you take your person and you go to anywhere that's outside of your comfort zone with the mm-hmm. intention of, I'm going to bring more awareness to myself, to others, yeah. to the world, and magic happens. Yes. So. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I love the, I mean, I can say from where I'm sitting, you know, that I love the process of integrity and the practice of integrity. And I can, I also, you know, if there are people listening who are, sort of just dipping their toe in the water or just considering this, like, I feel like I'm also extremely compassionate to how confronting that process can be, mm-hmm. you know, and how I'm sure you've had these moments, Serena, where you're like, Oh, <laughs> that's me. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. like you have, have them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Where it's like the, I feel like the universe hands you a slice of humble pie. And goes, here, honey, sit down and eat your piece because this is where we're at. You know, <laughs> this is really where we're at. And so I, I really believe that integrity is this practice. It's not a place you get to. It's a place that you continue to cultivate and create and check yourself on and, um, and continue to learn. Mm-hmm. And so I love this idea of like going into new places and spaces with a, with a very curious mind, you know, and a very open heart and, and, and that sense of wonder of what's here. Mm-hmm. what's here and how will I choose to show up here? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So one thing that you focus on and yeah. that really intrigues me because um, just like I don't know much about you, I don't know how much you know about me and my life experiences, but I share quite a bit on mm-hmm. you know social media and I'm a pretty open person. So something that I have been an active participant in is my relationships to women and how I engage with them and really discovering my authentic friend self and what, who she is and what she desires. Mm -hmm. And I know that you focus on that um, with what you do. So I was just wondering what you could share with me insights, advice, for women who struggle connecting with other women because it's a very real thing. I don't know how many times I've met women that say, oh, I just connect better to men. And, you know, maybe me and her connect a little bit because, yes. but um, there's so much to be said about it. So I just wanted to open the floor to you and just see what insight you have to share. Oh my gosh. I, I giggle because it's like, you just brought up like bonding over your unwillingness to bond with other women, you know, like, like the irony in that. Right. And I actually, I have a funny story to, to tell about this. Cause I, you know, I shared, okay, I worked with the boys, you know, for five years and then transitioned into the women. And when I worked with the boys, I thought I was going to work with men forever. 
And I did not want to work with women. I was like, when people would say, oh, do you ever want to work with women? I would say, absolutely not. You know, they are drama. They are chaos. They're catty. They're shallow. They're I had all of these words, right, to describe how I felt about women. And in, in this space, I, I had decided, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to take, I'm going to become a coach and I'm, I'm going to um, start to build my business. And then I got a letter in the mail randomly one day that said, you've been invited to interview for this position at the women's prison. And I literally opened it and was like, did I even apply for this? What is this? You know? And I thought, no way. But I had that knowing, you know, that knowing that comes from in your body. That's like, no girl, you need to be there. Mm -hmm. That's that knowing. And I was like, fine, I'll go but I'm just going to interview. I'm just going to go see what it's about. Maybe they have a position at the men's prison that I can just slide myself into, you know, went to the interview and was offered the job and hired within 24 hours, which is unheard of for big bureaucracy. And what I got to study while I worked with the women was I got to study the concept and not just the concept, but the practice and the actual existence of woman to woman wounding and how deep that runs mm -hmm. in our societies, in our lineages, in ourselves, how scared we are of women as women mm -hmm. and the level of not just rejection and condemnation that's there, but also how that manifests internally mm -hmm. for us. And uh, I honestly, in, in doing work within relationships and with women, one of the one of the things that I've learned is that our first heartbreak is not usually with a romantic partner. First heartbreak usually comes from mom. Mm -hmm. And it's that moment when we were a baby and we cried or we felt something or we needed something and mom wasn't able to be there. Whether it was due to her literally like accidentally just not being able to be there, not being able to respond, or whether she was dealing with something else that was bigger at the time in her world. But like that first break in trust has its roots in the woman. And, um, and that's really powerful when we sit back and look at it, you know, of like the first person who ever created disappointment, created distrust, created these feelings of not being safe was mom, mm -hmm. which is ironically the one person that I'm told to, to rely on and trust and, and like and really depend on for my basic needs and my survival and my guidance and all of these things. And I also, on top of all of that, feel so much emotional connection to her and want her love and acceptance and approval and validation so badly. And how interesting is it that the, the thing that is, is, I think, the greatest opportunity for women is to be able to have the bandwidth to actually give that. Because I would say most mothers didn't have the capacity to even give that because they didn't have it for themselves. Mm -hmm. So it's this very cyclical thing. And so if there's, there are women out there who are listening, who find themselves in a place of, of where I used to be around like, God, I just can't stand women. I just would rather be, you know, have a, have a group full of men to be friends with. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a guy's girl and all that kind of stuff. If you find yourself there, um, I would really invite you to explore at what point, were you hurt mm -hmm. by a woman or women? Because in my experience, it wasn't just one. 
-hmm. it was, I can trace it back to at least 10, 15 experiences with women that, that facilitated this unconscious agreement that I will not be close to women anymore. And I refuse to trust women, which inherently says, I refuse to trust myself and I refuse to get close to myself because I am a woman yeah. and how scary it is. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So not to like speed up the process, <laughs> not ready. Yeah. Um, I actually have as my next solo cast for me to talk about my wounds as a woman and stuff. I just thought that it would go really perfectly with our interview. Yeah. Um, and so I know where my wounding is and I know where it started with my mom mm. and I could probably list for you like 10 or 15 stories. Sure. So my question is, you figure that out, you identify mm. it and then what? And then you go to work to collect evidence that it's not true, which sounds wild right? You're like, wait, that sounds scary. And, um, and at the same time, there's another process that happens that gets to happen parallel to that parallel to you collecting new evidence is you get to feel however you feel about it. Mm -hmm. So there is no, there is no judgment and there is no criticism around how I felt or you felt or anybody feels about women in this moment right now. Mm -hmm. There is no judgment on it. It is completely valid and justified based on whatever experiences you have walked through up until this point, mm -hmm. right? There is evidence that this, this interactions with women were painful. They were hurtful. You know, they were heartbreaking. Like, let's not discount that. Let's not invalidate that. Let's bring it forward and let's really honor it. And let's really give ourselves the space to grieve to, to feel the sadness, to feel the disappointment, to feel the fear around making attempts to trust again. Um, so really giving our, ourselves the space and the grace to, to honor what has been and what's unfolded and what's occurred. Mm -hmm. And in that space, knowing that this is not a, this is not a journey to, in service to getting rid of what happened. Yeah. This is a journey in service to honoring what happened, honoring what's unfolded, giving ourselves a space to feel, to heal all of those things. And in that process, um, getting yourself in a space where you can be surrounded by women who are working towards the same peace internally with other women and with themselves. And, you know, the way that I did that was I invested in coaching programs that was the way that I found women who were open to this, who were on the same page, who wanted to also have thriving, incredible, deep, beautiful, vulnerable, fun relationships with other women. And so, you know, when that's, I feel like is the immediate follow-up question is, well, where do I find these women? Where do I go find them? You know, and uh, for me, it was about finding people who I felt inspired by who had relationships that looked inspiring to me that mm -hmm. felt inspiring to me and then getting figuring out how to get into that community how do i do i need to invest something do i need to enroll do i need to take this course what do i need to do you know um to really get myself around a different frequency of women yeah so thank you so much for that sure. yeah. um i had you fast forward and now i'm going to rewind a little bit yeah let's do it let's go all <laughs> over the place this is like an adventure right <laughs> <laughs> um so i think just 
really highlighting what stuck out to me of what you just shared was taking the time and space not to get rid of what has transpired in one's life, those mm-hmm. traumas or experiences or whatever it is, mm-hmm. but to honor it and acknowledge it and feel it. Yeah. That feels like such an important distinction. And then what came up for me personally, I believe those that are here listening relate to me, obviously, or they wouldn't be sure. here um, vulnerably and authentically for the sake of growth and really touching people's lives in an impactful way. And so what came up for me personally while listening to you was like, I get to be willing to trust again. I feel like you, I don't want to say you have to, I have to Mm -hmm. allow myself the space to open because there are parts of me, I'm kind of in flux right now, but there are parts of me that don't want to open up. Mm -hmm. And then there are parts of me that really, really do. Mm -hmm. And there's a little bit of, it's sprinkled, there's control sprinkled in there (laughs) because of experiences and you know like it has to be I have to feel comfortable Mm -hmm. and safe before opening up and that comes with communication and boundaries and you know like you said finding groups of people and and putting yourself there Mm -hmm. before COVID happened I signed up for a bunch of workshops in the area that were conscious community building workshops. And I went with the intention of, I'm going to find women that I can connect with. And I was really affirmed in a lot of stuff. Um, I ended up meeting my partner at one of those workshops, which was cool. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Wasn't my intention at all. Uh Um, But yeah, it's important to not only be open to that shift and that change, but to also take inspired action towards achieving it. Would you agree or do you have anything to add to everything I just shared? I love that. I love that process. I love that process. And I so agree. I think one of the most underestimated qualities of a human (laughs) is willingness. I really do. It's one of the things that I tell my partner now, I say, gosh, you know, a quality that I just love about you that I didn't think about before you showed up in my life is willingness. It's your willingness to be present, your willingness to like learn the thing and not just learn the thing, but I'm willing to go apply it. Mm -hmm. And so I love that you, that that word came through you because it's so powerful. And it is, it's that practice of being willing to be afraid you know, and, and the only thing that I would love to contribute to this is that this is a, again, this is a practice. This is such a practice. I find myself in a space where my partner and I are in talks of starting a family and what that looks like. And, you know, in that, in that visualization and in that creative process, I sit and think, gosh, I might be a mama to a girl. I might have a daughter. What's that going to look like? who am I going to be in that dynamic? You know, because my mom and I have had our share of healing, you know, in our relationship and we've come close and gone away and come close and gone away and, you know, have just had real opportunities to, to learn and grow from each other um, in through our, through our dark and into our light. And, you know, 
thinking, having those moments, right? Those egoic moments where you're like, gosh, but I've done so much healing work, you know, maybe I don't need that. And then having that, that humbling moment of like, and, and when the time comes for me to have a daughter, who would I want to grow into for her? What kind of woman do I really want to be, you mm -hmm. know, and walk the world as that she'll be watching, you know? And, and when I sit and think about that, I go, yeah, there's more work to do. There's more work to be done. There's more practice to be had. Yeah, I love that. I honestly think life changes so quickly as yeah. 2020 has demonstrated. Uh, yes. I'm yeah. not convinced that the work ever really truly stops. We're just ever evolving. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so then I just share that because I have experienced that process of, oh gosh, I've done so much work. I've totally mm -hmm. healed from this. It'll never mm -hmm. come up again. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely comes up again. And Devin, then you're walking to the grocery store and you're like, damn, <laughs> there it is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I definitely had those moments. Uh-huh. So you are a coach that I see very clearly has a niche. Mm. and a very defined niche. In mm. fact, I think it would be fun for you to define it. And second part to that is I've heard controversial ideas about building your career. And, mm. you know, I don't want to will this upon myself, but up until this point, I would classify myself as one of the like struggling life coaches. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I haven't yet made the income that I desire to make or feel aligned to make. And so yeah. part of why I'm focusing on female online entrepreneurs is mm -hmm. with a very big intention of finding my blind spots and learning as much as I can and connecting and just creating this beautiful energy for me to receive mm -hmm. and for whoever else may relate to where I am for them to receive too. Yeah. And so some people say, don't find your niche. It'll find you stop mm -hmm. wasting your time and stressing yourself out about it. Sure. And other coaches are like, what is your client avatar? You must define it or you will continue to fail forever as a coach. <laughs> You're doomed. <laughs> right. so yeah. I'm like, what the fuck? Um, yeah. <laughs> so could you define your niche and then just speak to where you rest on that spectrum of finding your life coach path and yeah. client, I guess? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. First, you know, I'm all for transparency. And so to hear you say that you feel like I have a defined niche and it's really clear, like, oh, thank you for that. Because I have no idea what, you know, like I really feel like from my perspective, um, I don't know that, that I could really articulate it. Mm, do you um, want me to try to, to articulate what I see? Yeah. Yeah. I would love to hear your version because I'm yeah. like, gosh, you know, I, yeah. And this plays into the second half of the question, but. Cool. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> what I see is you working with a woman who is ready and willing to open herself to trusting herself to 
connecting with her purpose and her pleasure. And that includes, I guess, whatever avenue the woman wants to go, whether it's directed towards a relationship or a career or friendship with other women. Mm -hmm. I see you helping women connect with whatever they're driving to connect with. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That was beautiful. Thank you. (laughs) I absolutely love that. And yes, I would say yes. And, uh, and, and in terms of the avatar thing, like I definitely, I would say, yeah, my, my niche is, is women. You know, I definitely work with women. I have had these instances where I've worked with men before and it's great. It's fantastic. And like at the end of the day, I feel just so connected to women and just so like, you know, like we are just these, the most powerful description I've ever heard of a woman. And it was from a man and it was said with such beautiful reverence is like, they are literally divine cosmic portals. They bring souls in from other realms here. Oh, and I think about that and I tear up. Like I literally get tears in my eyes when I think about that. Like the, the, I am a portal to another, to other universes. Like, and we know this, right? In our, when we do our channeling work, when we do our intuitive work, we know, like we have the guides, we have the, you know, but like to really think about that. And when I look at my son and I go, oh my gosh, like you came through me, what? You know, mm-hmm. so, and, and so when I, I I love the reflection on the niche because it's a heaven's yes to me. Um, And as far as the avatar goes, you know, and thinking that it's something that you have to have in order to make money um, or order or else you're doomed. Like I definitely don't, I'm not a part of that camp. Mm -hmm. Um, It exists though. It's so, Oh, it's so dead. Oh, Serena, if you look at my computer (laughs) right now, like, let me just be straight up with you. There are at least 10 avatar worksheets from 10 different people, you know what I mean? Around like, you need to complete this worksheet to know what you're doing. And in complete transparency, as a, as a coach, I, have, I am now into the multiple six figures without an avatar worksheet. Mm-hmm. So I want you to know that you're not, anybody who's listening, whether it's you, Serena, or anybody else who's like, I have to have an avatar worksheet done before I start. No, you don't. And before you make any money, no, you don't. You, the most important thing is that you show up and do what you're doing right now and you serve and you serve as authentically as possible. And then you also do the healing work mm-hmm. yourself because last year, at the end of last year, I hit this wall and it was an invisible wall. It felt like a bird that ran and that flew into a window, like at full speed. Oh. It just was like, boom. And it was jarring. And I was like, what the heck? Up until that point, I didn't have issues with money. I didn't feel like money was hard to make. I just hit this thing. And I thought it was just a phase. I was like, oh, what am I, what's happening here? You know, what is this? It's going to pass. Maybe it's just the planets. I don't know, you know? And, um, and when it didn't pass quickly, I thought, oh, it's some, some's here. And so I started to research, I started to dig and I started to tap into what is this? What is this? What is this? And when I would tune in, it would say the women, the women, the women. And I'm like, okay, I'm serving the women. And then finally it was like, no, the women in your lineage, Mm. look at the women in your lineage. And, uh, I started to, what I realized was (laughs) that, that invisible wall that I flew into 
was the, the wealth cap for the women in my family. Nobody in my family had, had exceeded that amount of income themselves. And it was this thing that I was like, dang, this lineage stuff is really deep. It's really a thing. And so I went to work. I went to work doing ancestral healing. I went to work doing, you know, conversations with my ancestors and with my mom and conversations with my grandmother, who's, who's no longer with us, went into investigating both sides, looking at the, the wealth discrepancies between men and women on both sides, realizing that, you know, I am here and part of the mission, should I choose to accept is to, to crash that glass ceiling wide open, you know, um, and to know that it must be done from a place of integrity mm-hmm. and that it must be done from a place of, of self acceptance and of, of grounded confidence, mm-hmm. you know, and service. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's really powerful. Thank you for yeah. sharing oh all of that. I really resonate with that. And I'm sure so many people can too. I know that as a woman, we are connected to seven lineage ancestors yeah. back and mm-hmm. seven forward and there's part of what's happening and what many are referring to is like the new world is Mm -hmm. so many of us are here in acknowledgement and understanding of that and so there's a lot of energy moving within that um reality yeah oh my gosh and and one of the things that really Uh, activated me was uh, somebody told me when you work with a woman, a woman is one woman is at least has, has direct influence on the lives of 10 other people in her day to day. That's one woman. So when you, when you intervene with a woman or when you connect with a woman, you are connecting with at least 10 other people. And that's for like the average woman. We're not talking about the women who are in bigger social circles, who are bigger influencers, who are business owners, right? Who have these bigger communities. And when I heard that and thought about, gosh, every time I walk into a a target or 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 something, you know, I'm out in the world and I engage with a woman, I have the capacity to engage in such a way that she walks away and, and distributes that, sprinkles that experience you know, into the lives of at least 10 other people. Wow. That's that's so incredible. Cool. Yeah. I love that. I'm like, who are my 10 women? <laughs> right? Like, exactly. And you probably have more. I bet if you sat down and like, you know, really like made a list or whatever, you would find that you have way mm-hmm. more than 10, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. I found myself organizing Christmas stuff for friends and I'm like, oh, this is way more than I ever thought, you know, that it was because we just don't stop and think about it. Yeah. And to provide more clarity, women have vaginas and Mm -hmm. literally hold space for another human. And so the way that that connects to energy and spirituality is women walk through the world holding energetic space. It's Mm -hmm. why we have the power to shift the energy of an entire room, et cetera. We are space holders. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I really, I love this, Serena. And if I could even add like a drop of something else to that is 
that I hear from women, especially that I talk to is like potential clients or my clients. And they'll say, you know, I just feel this void. And we are the space for the void. Mm -hmm. I think that the void is something that can be judged as wrong or bad or condemned or like I need to fix it or I need to fill it. Mm -hmm. And like, we're literally anatomically created with a void Mm -hmm. internally. And that void is in service to having space for creation. Mm -hmm. And so our creative gifts as women is like, you don't have to fill the void. Like what, what would happen if you sat with it? Mm-hmm. If you listen to it, if you, like you said, gave it the space, you know, what, what, what might show up there, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that when a woman says, gosh, I just feel like I lose myself or I feel like I have this void or this emptiness. And it's like, that, that is a part of you. And it's not something to rid yourself of or to try to fill. It's mm-hmm. something that you get to develop a relationship with because it's mm-hmm. literally the channel through which you're creative juices flow literally. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. It's also not something to judge either. Sure. You know, oh, cause yeah. those feelings, I know for myself, when I have felt that I've judged it to be, mm-hmm. um, like I feel alone or wrong mm-hmm. or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it is that comes up for each person. Yeah. And in this conversation, I'm viewing the void simultaneously as like an empty feeling inside and then also our vaginas. It's like yes. those people yep. who say that, you know, what is their relationship to, to their womb and to their Absolutely. Youth? Absolutely. Yeah. And that's the number one thing that it's so... I can see it's funny and I kind of giggle at it, but it's like when I tell women, like as a, as a homework assignment or as an adventure in our coaching practice, I will say uh, your invitation between this session and the next is to go look at yourself in the mirror fully naked. I want, you know, sit in front of the mirror, legs open, see what's there. And the, the face that they make sometimes is like, I've just told them to drink cyanide or something, you know, I've just like <laughs> told them to like do something awful, you know, it's like, uh, this cringe face. And it's like, ah, oh, that's, that's the thing. That's the nugget, right? Like the, anything within us that makes us, that, that in, inspires or activates that, oh, that cringe that, you know, for anybody who could see my face right now, it's like this. Like I just tasted something so bitter and nasty and, you know, but anything that evokes those feelings, we get to go towards and we get to like embrace it mm-hmm. of that thing. Can we be with it? You know, and, and, and I, I definitely, you know, talk about this with my clients, but like, it is not my intention to swing you from self-loathing to self-love in one fell swoop. It is my intention that we, that we can facilitate ourselves to a point of neutrality Mm-hmm. first. And then when we arrive at that neutrality, we can decide how we're going to move, mm-hmm. you know, and what we want to create from a neutral space. But like, please do not judge yourself. If you sit in front of the mirror and you don't feel like you want to have a party for your vagina the first time you do this, you know what I mean? Like if you sit there and sob, like bless it, mm-hmm. bless it, bless that process, you know, and then keep showing up and keep practicing. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, my next question is what has been your biggest challenge Mm -hmm. to achieve success? Mm. 
oh my gosh, Sabrina, you're the second person that's asked me this question in like the last two weeks. <laughs> um, and it's interesting to get this question because I remember like my parents when I was younger being like, you, you know, the train never gets to the station. That's what they would tell me. You, you know, you, once you hit that thing, the next thing comes. And, and so I rarely pause and think, gosh, I'm successful. I rarely have that thought. You know, the only time I think I have that thought is when I've asked this question. Um, and for me, that's why I did success in air quotes. Right. Yes. Thank you. Because, you know, we all have our own yes version of what that means you know one one woman that i asked she said success for her was doing nothing all day and being okay with it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah it's like we all have our own versions of what that is sure sure yeah i love it in air quotes because it is so subjective right and and i am in a space right now where i am in the practice of taking success and failure off the table completely Mm -hmm. as concepts and it's interesting. It's really interesting, this practice. Um, and I will say that the most challenging thing for me on, on my journey so far was uh, I had a real deep fear of being judged. I had a real, I remember one of my first coaches telling me like, listen, Katie, if you are afraid of being judged, please go back to your job now. Go back to your job now, stay with the county, stay with the state. You know, this was before I was, was with the state, stay with the county and work in your cubicle and follow all the rules and don't make a noise, don't budge, you know, don't upset anybody, you know, fly under the radar. Oh gosh, if someone would have said that to me when I started life coaching, I probably would have gone back to my damn cubicle. Oh my gosh, really? Yeah, Yeah. you're like, oh my gosh, a way out, right? Yeah. Oh my gosh, for me, it felt like a kick in the gut. Mm. It was like, oh. Ooh, you know, I just really, I don't know if I could live with myself in, if, if I ran from that level of fear, you Mm -hmm. know? And, and so, um, the, the, I think that the most challenging thing for me has allowed, has been doing the thing that people think is quote unquote crazy, you Mm -hmm. know, or irrational. Gosh, I remember my parents just like, why would you leave your job? Why would you, you have everything, you know, you have a son to provide for, you have a mortgage to pay, you've got health insurance there, you know, mm-hmm. you've got, you know, hours and they're pretty flexible with you and you love it. Like, why would you leave? It doesn't make any sense, you know, and having that level of like, you know, sort of feeling like, gosh, am I, am I, am I betraying them? Am I betraying myself? Am I disappointing them? Am I going to be seen as the crazy one. Right. And you know, this in the journey of self-expression, you, you play with it, you know, and, and like, you know, just that, that fear of like working, continuing to step forward through whatever judgments come through, whatever criticisms come through, through whatever, and whichever, you know, relationships show up and don't and fall away and all kinds of stuff. So like, I would say that's the thing is mm-hmm. like, can, can I, can, can I persevere through, um, through judgment and criticism and misunderstanding and all of that in service to what I know to be my soul's mission, mm-hmm. you know? So how do you persevere through that? Because, um, well, for me, the reason why I said I would have probably ran back to my quote unquote cubicle, yeah. which would have yeah. been not closing down my hair business and continuing sure. to make the money that I was making doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
my life's journey has been very traumatic and I've endured like a lot of abuse and um, challenging circumstances and things like that. And so for me, it was like a huge fear. Fear of rejection was, and still at some points, I notice it, I observe it and I'm growing through it. Um, But it has been anybody who follows me or listens to this show knows that fear of judgment has been my biggest challenge. So what advice would you give to someone who is facing that or observing that, you know, how does one persevere in the face Mm -hmm. of that? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. I, my response to this is, you know, my dad is like this, this uh, reincarnated Buddha from Mexico and uh, he has these like knowledge bombs that he just slides into, you know, life experience. And he told me when I was little, he said, Katie, the only thing that's guaranteed is change. And he said, if you can get used to change, you're golden. You're going to be fantastic. And it didn't mean much at the time. And then I found myself really leaning into that every time I felt the fear of judgment, because I would say, you know, I can either hide and continue to hide and swallow my truth and have it really facilitate disease in my body and in my lifestyle and every aspect of my life. Or I can lean into this idea that the only thing that is guaranteed is change, which means that I can change my trajectory at any time. And so can anybody else. Mm. So the person who judges me and condemns me on Monday of last week might be the person that circle back, circles back this week and says, hey, I was out of line, you know, or I learned this from that. And so for me, knowing that the only thing that is guaranteed is change has really empowered me to to facilitate a lot more grace into my experience for myself and for everybody else. Mm, What an expansive thought. Oh my goodness. Mm. Every time I've heard that quote, I've only applied it to external realities. Mm. Mm-hmm. And change being outside of self, because that's yeah. how I think the original quote was intended. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, my mind is blown hearing that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, whoa, that's so cool. I can't wait to to sit with that and have, yeah. I guess, an opportunity to to sit with that and integrate it. So, thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, my pleasure. Um, what is authentic? pleasure? Oh, it's something that you put in your bio to me. And I'm like, this is authentically me radio. And that is so dope. I want to learn more about that. Yeah. And I guess how does that apply to what you do as well? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's just fantastic question. And, uh, so as my phone starts to vibrate, um, the, for me, (laughs) authentic pleasure is really giving yourself permission to be and do whatever calls you. And I know that this sounds vague and I'm going to make it more granular. I'm going to give an example. Um, but as when I work with women and having been one of these women, and this is still a practice for me, no, I'm nowhere near, you know, uh, the home stretch on this. Uh, but it's, 
like as women, we have this tendency to have these desires bubble up and then immediately go, nope, and push them right back down and go, nope, uh-uh, nope, not, not acceptable. Nope, nope, nope. And uh, I used to help facilitate an in-person workshop that was really powerful. And one of the most common things that women would come out and say as, their, as the thing that they carried the most shame around was, oh, I have sexual fantasies about other women and I am married to a man. And when I would hear that, I would go, beautiful, Mm -hmm. have that desire. You know, having the desire doesn't mean that you must act on it. It doesn't mean that you must make money from it. Go tell your husband right now, go, you know, change your whole lifestyle because you have this one desire. For me, desire is like this, this frequency that you, you get to bring in and you get to like really move with it and honor it and see where it goes and explore it and, and, you know, allow yourself to feel that desire because desire is an, is a frequency and an emotion, just like anger, sadness, frustration, guilt, shame, you know, happiness, joy, whatever. So it's going to last about 17 seconds unless you attach something to it. And so I think as women, we, we go, Oh shoot, I have this desire to go get, uh, I just recently had a client who said, gosh, you know what, Katie, I just really, um, I just really think someday I might want to go get liposuction. And I said, okay. She's like, but I feel, you know, but it's like, I, I, you know, but, but, but what does that mean about me? And I don't want to be that person. And is that bad? And I'm like, is it bad? I, you decide if it's bad. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't decide that you get to decide that. And, and, and who said it was bad? And, and like, why would it be bad? And, you know, like really exploring, like, like getting close and getting intimate with our desires. And to me, that's authentic pleasure. When I can give myself permission to actually be with those things that like enliven me, right? Like I can be with the fact that like, I love to, to wear outfits that show my midriff, even if I'm not a size four, I love to, to, you know what I mean? Like be with this desire to like wear makeup or not wear makeup, you know, and like really giving myself the permission to be and do what really actually facilitates more pleasure into my life. Mm -hmm. Does that like, does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm like totally vibing with yeah. that response. Um, Thank you. I can't say that I had any expectations of what your answer was, and uh-huh. so um, uh-huh. I fully receive it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's like I think I I have this example, a personal example, um, and you know I'm in the I'm I would say that to a certain degree I'm looped into a spiritual community. And, you know, especially, you know, as a life coach and then having roots in psychology and all this stuff. And, you know, people, I will, I will tell people, you know, the, the, the two best investments I've ever made is coaching and my implants, mm-hmm. you know, cause I have breast implants. I've had them since I was 25 and I freaking love them. Mm-hmm. I love them. And there are people who have had awful experiences with them who have had just, you know, and, and, you know, I'm not saying that my stance is right or wrong, but like, for me, that is, that is what is authentic for me. What is authentic for me is like, when I, I've wanted them since I was 16 and like knew I was going to get them and it wasn't, you know, anything. And when I got them, I was like, hallelujah. Yes, let's do it. You know what I mean? And like, and like I love them. I love them. So that to me is like, can I give myself permission to love what I love 
you know, again, we go back to the judgment, knowing that I will most, I'll be judged for it. You know, I will, there's going to be people that may even listen to this and go, God, I need to email her and tell her, tell her to get them removed. And you know what I mean? And the other thing is, you know, I lean again back into that. Anything that's, you know, the only thing that's guaranteed is change. So I might love them today. I might wake up in two years and go, forget these things. I'm done. Mm-hmm. I'm complete, you know, and giving myself the grace to, to be fluid in that way. Yeah, that's amazing. And um, what comes up is, have you seen the documentary Heal? I've seen parts of it. I don't think I've sat, I've sat and watched it from start to finish, though. So it goes into the science behind how our thoughts promote or destroy, promote healing or destroy our bodies. Mm -hmm. And so like if someone gets implants, for example, that isn't authentically aligned Mm -hmm. or in integrity with getting that within themselves, then there's, they're just permeating the frequency of this isn't aligned for me. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. it's really interesting. And I just think that, you know, we do have the power to attach ourselves to thoughts or ideas or emotions, experiences, physical items. And, you know, we are the creators of our own reality in so much detail, like more detail than we give ourselves credit for. (laughs) Yes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. And I'm a firm believer in that. I'm a firm believer that, you know, whatever, whatever I believe will be, will be, you know, and if I, if I, you know, went through the process of getting implants out of, out of a deep insecurity, then those implants will only facilitate more insecurity. Mm-hmm. If I get them from a level of deep excitement and pleasure and like, mm-hmm. we gonna have fun with these things, mm-hmm. then we don't have fun with these things, you know? <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, definitely. Yeah. yeah. And I think being human is complex because I could see a person feeling a little bit of both of those things, but sure. they choose what they feed into yeah. you know, or what they allow to exist around them, like judgment of others and stuff like that. Sure. So sure. thank you for sharing absolutely everything that you've shared with me so far. And with my listeners, it was such a delight to have you such a calming, engaging, and insightful conversation. I've really enjoyed it a lot. Thank you so much for being here, Katie. Thank you. I've enjoyed it so much too. I can't believe this time has gone this fast. I mean, yeah, it did. It feels like 15 minutes. (laughs) I'm so grateful for you and all that you're creating. And I'm also really excited to see what else you, you facilitate and create. Mm, thank you. Um, for my listeners who want to connect with you, I will have her website in the show notes. So please check that out. And did you want to give any last words or direction for people mm. to connect to you or anything that comes up at all? Gratitude. Mm. Yes, gratitude. And please know that, you know, if you really do feel like, oh gosh, I want to connect with her. Like I, on Instagram, I respond to all my DMs. I am, I love nothing more than connecting with people, you know, via social media. So please don't feel like I can't email her. Yes, you can. You can email me. You can direct message me. Like, please know that that, that door is open. Yes. Give in to your desires. Yes, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) 
thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for being here. It is an honor to share with each and every one of you authentically. Tune in and visit the website authenticallymeradio.com. You are exactly where you are supposed to be, doing exactly what you are supposed to be doing. And you are loved.